You're listening to Marketing Major at Josh and Mo, a podcast created for students by students who are curious about marketing. All right, welcome back to Marketing Major. So we have two episodes uh, from the archives of this year that we wanted to release. So they're both based on purpose uh, branding and marketing. So the first one today is with Panita McBrien. Uh, she's the former ACE president, as well as a account director at ZGM Modern Marketing Partners. And we talk about the evolution of purpose-based marketing. I'm sure you've all heard of it. It's quite a buzzword today in the marketing um, world, but it actually has a really cool history behind it. And Panita and I get into that in this episode. And then next week, uh, we're going to have Scott Steele, who's a creative director from ZGM, come on to talk about their purpose work with uh, Honest Dumplings, which is a really cool brand. Super good dumplings as well. And I know Scott's been uh, bugging me for a while to post that episode, so it'll be a good one to hear as well. So uh, just to give a bit of context to this episode with Pinita, it was recorded about a year ago when uh, Gillette had just released their The Best a Man Can Be ad, and that kind of sparked a lot of... um, other purpose-based campaigns that definitely won a lot of awards globally. So it's still as relevant today as it was back then. And we're going to jump in uh, straight to the discussion with Pinita, and we'll be talking about the evolution of cause-based marketing. The way I see it, the kind of history of cause marketing as we know it today, um, it used to be just considered corporate social responsibility, which was always sort of, and and in a lot of companies still is, its own sort of department or just kind of this area that might be handled by marketing, might be handled just by, you know, general management. And it, you know, a lot of times it's just a line item in, in the business's budget. So companies will say, you know, we have X number of dollars this year that we're going to allocate to, I'm using air quotes here, which is terrible (laughs) on a podcast because you can't see them, um, to, you know, community investment or um, social responsibility initiatives or social impact initiatives or whatever those things are. And for a lot of companies, you know, it was never really very strategic and it still might not be. And so that might just mean, you know, when a a sports team comes to you and needs sponsorship or a a nonprofit or charity comes to you and needs sponsorship or donations, uh, you just, you know, take it out of your corporate social responsibility budget and you've checked the box and you're doing good things as a company and that's great. And so traditionally, you know, that wasn't really integrated into a brand or what they do or who they are. It wasn't really leveraged very well or at all by a lot of companies in their marketing and, and communication. And again, you still see that today in a lot of companies where they're great corporate citizens and they definitely have that, that budget area and resources allocated. They might have charity runs that they do as a team and that kind of thing. But for a long time and for a lot of companies still, it's not really tied to marketing marketing or branding. So if it's not tied directly to marketing or branding, how does cause-related marketing fit into that CSR? Yeah, so that's a good question. So that's where I think, and I don't know when this shift happened, but there started to be a little bit of a shift. And there were certain brands that we can all think of over the years, you know, that we've seen as prominent examples where you started to see brands in their major advertising campaigns and, you know, what they were putting in front of the world or their customers, really focusing on those causes that they were contributing to or issues that they care about. One of the most prominent Canadian examples of 
of course, is Bell, Let's Talk. So I think for a lot of people, you know, as far as being really conscious of a brand doing this, that's one of the, the first examples that comes to mind for people where Bell really put a ton of their marketing and advertising and branding dollars into this whole mental health conversation initiative of Bell Let's Talk. So, you know, you see these massive multi-channel campaigns year over year across the whole country, multi-million dollar campaigns, really all targeted towards raising money for mental health initiatives. And in their words, you know, breaking down the stigma about mental health and encouraging people to talk about mental health. So that's one of the most prominent examples where you start to see those lines blur and you really start to see corporate social responsibility become one and the same with branding and marketing uh, and positioning that company in customers' minds. So for a company like Bell, uh, what are some of the risks and challenges of a campaign like this where you're opening yourself up to a bit more scrutiny? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think it it's been incredibly successful for Bell. Um, I mean, no one, I don't know about you, but I can't go anywhere. It feels like on Bell Let's Talk Day on the internet or in my day-to-day life without seeing it and hearing about it. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's fantastic. I mean, they're donating money to lots of great causes, but um, there are for sure some risks. I mean, that a cause like that, a lot of people can get behind it. Obviously, it's not controversial in the way that some of the other sort of campaigns that we've seen recently, like that Gillette ad as an example, uh, a little bit more of a controversial subject matter with lots of backlash. But even with Bell, you know, and the cause being worthwhile and we know they're, they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is, at least they're donating that money to those causes and they're really trying to, to do this work and break down these barriers, there's still risks associated with um, opening yourself up to a little bit more criticism. So if you're if you're not truly walking the walk and you choose a cause that isn't 100% aligned with the way you do business, either and, and then sustainability causes and things like that, it could mean the way you're producing your products, the way you're distributing your products goes into what you're making. In Bell's case, how you're treating your people, um, how your people feel about mental health and communication about mental health in the workplace. You know, by standing behind this cause, you are kind of opening yourself up to to scrutiny for sure you know as far as are they walking the walk and you see a lot of that now I mean I've heard I know on the U of A campus Bell Let's Talk Day is not supported because there are a few reports out of Bell-owned companies that you know employees don't feel like their mental health concerns and needs are being taken seriously and um, you know there's accusations and, and there's no way of knowing what's true and what isn't but at the end of the day Bell does open themselves up in that example to really being um, scrutinized for are you are you really serious about mental health and I think naturally as consumers especially today we're pretty skeptical about brands and you know what what we just went through over the last 20 years was kind of greenwashing so you know when sustainability and, and environmental consciousness sort of became very in vogue you know you saw a lot of brands putting a lot of time and energy and money into making their products um, seem environmentally friendly or sustainable or produce sustainably and all these things. And it got to the point where, you know, when Clorox is like releasing (laughs) environmental cleaners and you look at the ingredients and it's the exact same as their other products, like that was greenwashing, right? Where it's like, you know, you're, you're saying it and doing it because you feel like you have to and because that's what consumers want. 
but it's not authentic. It's not necessarily true. And it's not, yeah, it's not what consumers really want to see out of brands. So we're kind of in that era now where cause washing, modern greenwashing, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, there's definitely risks there of, of really needing to make sure that you're authentic and that you're willing and ready, or you already have been putting your money where your mouth is as far as, you know, whether it's causes or investing in your, in your product and your processes so that it's aligned with your cause or, you know, just making sure that it's aligned with who you are as a company. So it seemed like cause-based marketing there was a big deal for a while. And now we're kind of shifting to purpose-based marketing, which seems to be all the rage now in the marketing world. But has it always been around like purpose-based marketing or has it actually been a recent trend? Um, At least for 20 years, there's been this sort of contingent of companies who are founded with higher ideals. So I think it being super mainstream and and recognized and talked about in our industry, like in the marketing world, I would say, yeah, five to 10 years. But for much longer than that, there's been companies who very intentionally chose to be purpose-based in in how they do business. So, uh, and what does that mean? That's, That's Good question. Um, (laughs) um, I wouldn't put Bell in that category. So when we're talking about, uh, and you and I were talking earlier about how, you know, cause-related marketing, socially responsible marketing, purpose-based marketing, purpose-based branding, like there's all these different terms and how do you kind of differentiate what's what, especially as, as you're in school and you're learning about all this stuff. And it's, it's tough because there are for sure some blurred lines. So we kind of talked about corporate social responsibility, which definitely bleeds into cause-related marketing and socially responsible marketing. And then purpose is kind of this, this more modern concept when we're talking about brand strategy and marketing strategy, for sure. And it's really about a company having a higher purpose or higher ideals beyond just selling whatever it is that they're selling. It's, you know, it's what gets the founders out of bed in the morning. It's what caused them to found that company. If it's not something that was there from the beginning, then it's, you know, usually something that a company can uncover by by really asking their employees and their customers, what do you really care about? What gets you out of bed in the morning if you're, if you're an employee? Um, what gets you excited to work for this company? And what ultimately are we all trying to accomplish and, and striving towards as a company? And at the end of the day, if you're a company where all you can really say is, you know, all we're here to do is sell the things that we sell, data is pointing to the fact that you're less likely to be successful than a company that can really say, we have a higher purpose. We know what we stand for. Um, We know why we get out of bed in the morning and why our customers choose us time after time beyond just, you know, having the product that they like or the price that they like. So because that data is there and there's a few different studies, um, Grow is a great book um, if you're really interested in this, where uh, it dives into a study that the author has done where it really demonstrates that purpose-based brands can outperform uh, the market on average across almost all metrics, which is really interesting to see. So there's that. And then there's other research that's being done just around consumer behavior and consumer preferences that shows, especially for our generation, for millennials and especially the generation after us, we really do want to spend our money with brands that we feel reflect 
uh, our own values, brands that we see as seeing the world the same way we do. And so because consumers are saying that, we're saying, you know, I want to feel like when I'm spending my money, I'm, I'm not spending it on corporate evil. I'm spending it on companies that are doing some good in the world or that have my best interests at heart or whatever that is. Um, so I think a lot of major companies are really setting, sitting up and taking notice. Startups a lot more often obviously have these uh, ideals and this purpose baked in from day one. They know why they're getting into the business they're getting into. They can say, you know, from the day we started this company, this is how we were setting out to make the world a better place. So for big brands, it's a lot more difficult to do that. And the Gillette example with that ad uh, they put out and the the shift in the tagline from the best a man can get to the best a man can be. Those are the really interesting examples of major companies who are sort of waking up and saying our company and the way we've done business and the way we've advertised and the way our brand has been perceived isn't what customers want anymore. This isn't sustainable. Um, this isn't going to be successful in the long term. This isn't going to breed customer loyalty. We're not going to be attracting the best millennial talent because millennials want to work places that reflect for sure. If we want to spend our money with brands that reflect our values, we definitely want to work places that reflect our values and that uh, give us sort of a higher purpose beyond just getting a paycheck. So it's really interesting. And just like I was saying with cause washing and greenwashing, we're kind of in that same territory with purpose. Like it is a total buzzword in the marketing and business world right now. You know, every brand is being told you need a brand purpose. Um, and so then you end up with, you know, people arbitrarily, not even arbitrarily, but deciding, okay, well, we need a purpose. So here it is when that's not really, again, it's not really authentic to who they are. It's not really authentic to who their people are and what their people believe in what their customers want to see from them. So it's not an easy thing to accomplish. Um, and it's something at ZGM that we really believe in and will will never approach a branding project today um, without starting with why and starting with uh, a purpose because really that's the only way to carve out a distinct and sustainable place in consumers' hearts and minds. Yeah, you brought up some good points there, especially... With a big company, uh, one for helping with differentiation too. Like we also talked about how Gillette there was doing kind of a, a blade race and seeing how many how many blades they can get on their on their. Yeah, they never got to like Mach nine, but yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, yeah. and then once you realize that you know one day consumers don't really care about how many blades you can get when you can get like a Dollar Shave Club for like nine nine bucks a month, and it's even more convenient and you don't have to pay like $30. But then at the same time, you mentioned how like they almost open themselves up to more scrutiny because they've produced this work in the past that has actually like created their own issue and their own problem. So now, now you're trying to say like, it's like trying to go back on words you've already said. So you're saying, oh no, that's, that's not us. This is us. And yeah, it's just kind of an interesting dynamic and that must be difficult to do to try to convince consumers that you're actually being authentic. Yeah, it's it was a really interesting thing to watch and it still is. Like if you actually go to their campaign landing page for the best a man can be, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, they watch the ad and that's kind of where it ends. And fair enough, like if you don't want to click through, you're not going to. And so people are kind of missing the deeper um, story that Gillette's trying to tell here, which is too bad because I think really as controversial as the subject matter was, as controversial as the video was, um, as much, you know, internet 
echo chamber backlash they got, they really, I think, approached it in the right way. So they weren't just, you know, putting out this one video and saying, this is who we want to be now. Um, if you go to that landing page, they they wrote a really great sort of background um, and tell a great story about why they're doing it and what it means. And they're pretty honest in that about how they looked back over the last 20 years. And they're not proud of what they see and they're not proud of what they've done. And that's where that shift is coming from. And so they changed their tagline to the best a man can be. And I think in that they're also changing and standing behind a, a brand purpose and a brand promise that more reflects their employees today, probably their goals for the future, who they want to be going forward. So, I mean, if you go there, there's also, you know, they've aligned themselves with um, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America and they're, they're donating, it looks like, quite a bit of money to those groups to further the causes that are tied to this whole thing about, you know, encouraging um, and believing in the best that men can be. So they are walking the walk, it seems. They are, they are putting their money where their mouth is, to use all of the cliches. Um, and so... Really, I think there as much as, you know, there's a million podcasts and think pieces and all kinds of things being written and said about that campaign and Gillette right now. I think if I'm looking at a client coming in and wanting to, you know, have um, a higher purpose and have uh, social impact be a part of their strategy going forward, I wouldn't look at Gillette as like a cautionary tale or a what not to do, because when you look at all the different pieces that they put into this, I think they really did approach it the right way. And, you know, there's other products that they've released recently that are really quite different from anything they've done in the past. They released uh, a new razor, I think last year or the year before, designed for caretakers. So there was a, a video that they made that was, you know, a man taking care of his dad who couldn't shave for himself anymore. And so these things that are more about being, you know, yeah, being better men in the case of, of their men's products. But yeah, they, they seem to be doing more than just releasing a controversial video. They really seem to say have said, um, this is not who we are anymore and we're going to be better and we're going to be this brand going forward. So it's not an easy thing to do. No. Like it's it's admirable in a lot of ways and, you know, other people feel differently and that's that's great for them. But I think it's I think it's really impressive what they've chosen to stand up and do. And I think it will ultimately be successful for them in the long term. Is their business model successful in the long term is a different question, right. uh, which is going to be the case for a lot of companies like that being challenged by startups. But um, yeah, I don't know. I would uh, I would love to see more and more brands doing this in the future, because uh, ultimately, if they're trying to be better corporate citizens and make the world a better place, then we can hold brands to higher and higher standards. And I think that's what our generation wants to see. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of this interesting thing because you're either the brand that's pushing the envelope and maybe courting controversy and, you know, really standing out and choosing to stand up for a cause that no brand has ever really done before. So you're either there or once that's done, then it becomes where consumer expectations sit. And so all of a sudden consumer expectation catches up to these brands that are pushing the envelope. And then you become the brand later on that's just catching up and trying to and trying to match what consumers are expecting. So it's the same thing for innovation, but I think it's the same thing for causes and, and social issues where, yeah, if you're not willing to be a little bit ahead of the curve, you might end up playing catch up down the road to have your products and services and brand match what consumers expect. And it's the same thing with sustainability for a long time. Now it's kind of, you know, table stakes that, you know, yeah. your products are sustainably produced. 
um, environmentally friendly, you know, recyclable materials, those kinds of things that were really edgy not that long ago and really innovative not that long ago. Now consumers just expect that because um, that's where brands have taken us. So, yeah, it's interesting. For students that are interested in this kind of cause-related CSR, purpose-based marketing realm of things, how, how do you get involved in that out of school? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at the marketing world and you're thinking, I want to work in somehow a cause-related field or a purpose-based you know, marketing team, there's a lot of different options now, which is why it's really cool that this is becoming um, so common for brands to do because uh, it's an exciting time to be a marketer. So um, being the president of ACE, I'm going to say um, <laughs> for sure the agencies in our community um, are there's tons of great opportunities and you really get the opportunity, especially at ZGM, um, to work with so many different brands and and bring this kind of approach and thinking uh, and learn, you know, what this can look like across different brands. But there's also just so many fantastic nonprofits, especially in Edmonton. We're so fortunate to have a really strong government and nonprofit sector. So if you believe in even just behavior change marketing, so governments will often do that kind of stuff. We do a lot of work with AGLC where we're really trying to encourage Albertans to um, live more in moderation when it comes to things like drinking and gambling. Um, So there's some of that behavior change stuff that um, there's tons of opportunity there with different government groups and different types of organizations. There's also lots of really great nonprofit organizations that have internal marketing teams. So the Alberta Cancer Foundation, University Hospital Foundation, um, lots of different nonprofit groups like that that are, um, you know, where you can go and be like a marketing coordinator um, if there's an opportunity there um, to raise money for great causes and do that. But then, you know, the the really quickly growing opportunities lie in businesses who are wanting to spend more and more time and energy on this stuff. So ATB is a great example. Um, so they've, you know, their brand promise or I don't know if it's their brand promise or their brand brand purpose. Their brand purpose, I believe, is creating happiness for Albertans. Their brand promise, I think, is ATB listens. Someone in, from ATB can comment on this and tell me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, as part of all that, they have a really fantastic social impact group. And that group gets to work with different causes and charities and, um, you know, use ATB's brand and, 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 and elevate ATB's brand um, by partnering with those causes, doing great um, content creation projects and supporting different causes and groups across the province um, from within, you know, a business, a bank. Um, so there's lots of great opportunities, even if you're just going into a business um, as, a, as a marketer. Um, there's a whole area around social impact and cause marketing that's opening up. And I think there's going to be lots of opportunity in the future. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming in. That was a really, really good discussion and and super relevant and on trend too. And it'll be interesting to see how some of those things we discussed evolve over time as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thanks again for coming on the podcast again, Fanita, and hopefully, hopefully this breaks some records for listening again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I certainly rambled enough, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we hope you guys enjoyed that first archive from a little while ago, but I thought it was still a really good conversation. And if you're looking for our, our next episode, it'll be out next Monday, and we'll be with Scott Steele talking about Honest Dumplings, and we'll see you then. Bye.